morning, good morning, Watermark. Hey, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Chris Sherrod and I'm the marriage and family director here. And happy new year. How are we doing on our resolution so far? Pretty good so far, yeah. Hey, really on a serious note, uh, a few years ago, I stopped making, I stopped calling them res- New Year's resolutions and I started calling them New Year's prayers. Or these are my prayers for the new year and I felt like they didn't set me up for failure as often. Anyhow, uh, we're glad you're here. This is a fun, unique setting where we've got uh, kids all the way up to grown-ups uh, all meeting together. And so we today are going to read a multi-generational verse. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Psalm 71, we're going to read most of the psalm together. And then we're going to do something on stage that hopefully is helpful or at least memorable on uh, meeting together as a family. We're starting uh, a lot of new things this year, and I know that resolutions a lot of times involve uh, eating habits or spending habits or screen time. I do pray that one of your resolutions is, as we just sang, that you would delight in God more, that we would delight in his word, abide in his word. I always remind my children, you can't be close to God and far from his word. And so just this year, you would grow deeper in love with the Savior, and know the Word of God, and know the God of the Word. Sound good? Well, we're going to read most of this psalm, and I want to give you really just three things that stand out that are reminders from this, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the first bullet point first before we read, because it's what I want you to do as we're reading here, and this is the first point. Mindful reflection leads to heartfelt adoration. Mindful reflection leads to heartfelt adoration. More than any time of the year, and probably for most of us, this might be the only time where all of us are thinking about how was this last year, how does this coming year look? Where we actually pause, because otherwise we get so busy, we're actually pausing and thinking about, okay, what was 22 like? What was 2022 like? What's 2023 gonna be like? What are we praying for, for this next year? And so as we're reading the Psalm, here's what I want you to do. I want you to notice what the Psalmist is doing, what he's reflecting on, what he's thinking about. If you're here at our, Our New Year's Eve service TA talked about seeing the glory of Christ, and he said it's to be captivated and overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And so my prayer is that starting today, your prayer is that your heart and your mind will be captivated uh, by the glory of Christ and the amazing grace of his gospel. Amen? Well, read with me in Psalm 71, verse 1. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. And as we're going, I would encourage you, if you want to circle these in your Bible, the, the, the words or attributes or characteristics of God that st- stand out, let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. That's a great New Year's prayer right there. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as important to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Skip down to verse 14. But I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day. 
for the number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things. O God, who is like you? And you look at verse 22. I will also praise you with a harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. For they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Did you notice all those attributes about God? All those reminders that the psalmist is saying, this is what I want to remember. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to pass on. And so even as you think about 2023, kids, young people, when you face fears, what are going to be the attributes of God that you're going to call upon? What's going to encourage you and give you courage and confidence? Teenagers, What's going to remind you of your identity in Christ when you feel the, the pressures of the culture? Grown-ups, when you face trials that are going to come this year, challenges, what's going to be your go-to verses that are going to give you hope and confidence and peace and joy? So this is what the psalmist does first. He's thinking back. What do I know God to be? What have I seen God to do? That's the first thing. Second reminder from this chapter we learn is that our mouths talk about what our hearts are excited about. Our mouths talk about what our hearts are excited about. This is just the way we're wired. Some of you already this morning have talked about the football games yesterday, right? Some of you, did you see the game? Like those are words that come out of your mouth. It's on your heart, you're excited about it. This is what social media shows us all the time. I saw a sunset, I want you to see this sunset, right? I saw this video, I want you to see this video. This is just the way we're wired. Whatever I'm excited about, I talk about. And Jesus explained this, right? He said, out of the overflow of the, how, of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. So this is the reminder here. If you look at what the psalmist, the words he uses, he says, my mouth is filled with your praise, your glory. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts. I will remind them of your righteousness. I'll proclaim your might. I'll praise you for your faithfulness. I'll sing praises. My lips will shout for joy. My tongue will talk. The psalmist just couldn't keep quiet. As he thought about who God was and looked at what God had done and looked forward about what he knew God was going to be for him, he just had to talk about it. This is the, the, the reason I love this psalm is you've got generations mentioned. He talks about from my birth. He talks about from my youth. He talks about old age and gray hairs. It's God's faithfulness all through our lives. But what I, I want to focus on is the third thing we learn from this. And that is this. We are to build a hunger in the hearts of the younger. We are to build a hunger in the hearts of the younger. You do that by talking about it. So a simple question would be, for those people who hang around you the most, what would they say you most often talk about? Do you ever talk about your story? How God changed you, how he rescued you? I think probably for a lot of us, we're not in danger of telling that story too much. Right? It might be the other way. That we're probably in danger of not sharing that enough. But if this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me, do my kids know this story? Do I ever talk about this? Well, what you see here, especially, look again with me in verse 17. Oh God, from my youth you have taught me. 
and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. He's looking back behind him and saying, there's people coming behind me, and I've got amazing things to tell about God, what he's done in my life, what I've seen him do. I gotta tell them. I wanna pass that on. So moms and dads and grandparents, we've got an easy uh, application of this. You've got your children and grandchildren. But for all of us, you've got nieces and nephews. You've got kids that are younger that you can serve. You can serve in the kids' ministry, students' ministry. Um, you can serve in our marriage ministry. There are people that would love to see and to, to follow your example as you're following the example of Christ. Okay, not perfect, just real. But this is God's command here. We are to build this hunger in the hearts of the younger. Our, our family ministry emphasis that we've been doing uh, more and more lately is this, partnering with parents to build Christ-centered Christ -centered homes. We're partnering with you, okay? Mom and dad, I wanna to talk to you for a few minutes. Um, back in 2019, my wife and I bought a bus. We bought this 40-foot school bus, and we renovated it into an RV, and it took a couple years, two and a half years. It was a big project, and I went to Home Depot all the time. I was there so much that they began to know me as the bus guy. At first, I'd try to remind them, like, hey, remember me? I'm the, and then when I'd walk in, like, oh, the bus guy. And we'd talk about things that I'm trying to learn. And uh, I think my record was four times in one day, I had to go back to Home Depot because I got the wrong stuff or not enough of the stuff and I had to go back. But there was this motto that a lot of you will remember that Home Depot has used in the past and still uses sometimes, and that is, you can do it, we can help. Right? You guys heard that before? You can do it, we can help. One of the things I want to remind you of in the role of our church is that it's clear in scripture that mom and dad have the primary responsibility to build faith in their children, okay? Study after study shows that it's the influence of the parents is the number one influencer for kids following after Jesus, okay? More than youth director, more than Sunday school teacher, more than anything else, it's mom and dad, and it's easy sometimes to think like, okay, but we go to an amazing church. They've got such a great children's program, and we do. But the issue is not what's happening at Watermark on the weekends. The issue is what's not happening in the home the rest of the week. That's the bigger thing. And you see in Scripture, you see in Deuteronomy 6, that it's supposed to be this, this daily thing that you talk about. Okay? Now, this is where a lot of people look to the church in the opposite of the Home Depot slogan, that they're like, well, uh, the church should be like, you do it and we get to relax, right? No, no, you can do it and we can help. And we'll give you some more resources. We'll talk uh, in just a minute about some other ways you can do that. But let me just show, I'm gonna model for you guys a really simple thing that we do in our house and it is just a short family devo. And I think when you start talking about family dev devotionals, moms, especially dads, I think start to get nervous. Like, does that mean we've gotta like study Greek? or Hebrew and have like an illustration with a craft every time. Like, how do you do this thing? And I just wanna remind you, it's way simpler than you think. That leading your family, leading your children is this, encouraging faith in the heart of your kids. That's leading your family, encouraging faith in the heart of your kids. We do something at our home, we use this packet of cards from tiny theologians, you can order this stuff online. But these attributes of God, that we've been studying here, you can have the A through Z packet for the attributes of God, that A is he's all-knowing, uh, B is he's beautiful, C is he's creative, and you go through these, and it's really, really simple, and 
Can I show you guys how simple it is? Okay. Let me have my wife, a couple of my kiddos coming up here. Now, this is normally, I'll just go ahead and tell you, it would normally be very chaotic if we're actually eating food and might not look as relaxed with us plus a thousand of our closest friends also watching us. But here's what we usually do. Um, when we sit down at dinner, uh, one of us, uh, one of the kiddos will get to be a little pyro and enjoy lighting a candle. Then we all say something. So Zay, you want to start us off? Jesus is the light. Jesus, Jesus is, is the, the light. light. Well, repeat that together. So I am going to pick the L, and this is what the cards look like. It's really, really simple. It's just got a, uh, an attribute of God. And then on the back, you've got this little description with a verse. So today we're going to talk about how God is love. You guys ready? Love is central to who God is. The Bible teaches us that God is love and that the only way we can learn to love one another is because God loved us first. God's love is perfect, unfailing, eternal, and beyond what we could ever imagine. God showed us his love in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again. That's good news, huh? So it's not just that God is loving, it's actually that God is love. Like, that's who God is. So let me ask you guys a question. Are you ready? Christopher, are you ready? Does God love you more when you're obedient? No. No? No. Does he love you less when you're disobedient? No. Okay. He just what? Loves you. Loves you. He just loves you. Isn't that amazing? That it's, it's amazing love that he shows to us. So this is what we just celebrated at Christmas time, right? He loved so, he, God loved the world so much that he gave us only son. his only son. He gave us Jesus, right? So that should encourage us as we go into this new year ahead of us, as you go back to school, that, that no matter how you act in school or what your grades are like or how you treat each other, God's always going to love you, right? Christopher, will you read this verse at the bottom for us? Nice and loud. 1 John 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Great job. God is love. All right. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that um, you are love. Not just that you are loving, but you personify love. And we thank you that your love for us isn't based on whether we're good or bad, whether we have good days or bad days, um, Lord, you just love us. And I pray that that amazing message of grace would encourage us to come to you when we do fail. And um, Lord, they would overflow and encourage us to do the right thing, Lord, um, each day of our lives. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Ready break. Thanks, guys. So I forgot to time that, but like, what did that take? Four, five minutes, maybe? Something like that? Like, that was it. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you, because I knew we were doing this. I prepared a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> yep. That's more of what I was expecting we we're going to have uh, up here. But listen, let me just tell you this. This is something that is super simple and done for me, and I didn't, I, I, I didn't have a whole lot of prep time. It's just, let's just talk about this. But then guess what we get to do? During the week, I can go back and I can remind them. What did we learn about God this week? What was our L word that we learned about God, right? It's just simple stuff that scripture just says, just make this natural. You're talking about him when you're in the car, when you're going to bed, whatever it is. But it's just your home is a word environment. Now, here's the other thing I love about this passage. We get to look up to those who are older, the old, old age and gray hair people. That encourages us because we're like, look at 
God's faithfulness through all the years. But those of us who are older, we also get encouraged by young believers to hear how God is at work and their newness, their excitement, because sometimes we get stuck in a rut. It's not as exciting to us. So we're going to have a young person share her testimony. I want to invite Emerson to come up here, and she's going to share with you her story of God's grace and redemption, and you get to be encouraged by hearing um, one that we just read about, someone from young years, from their young years, God has been faithful. Emerson? Hi everyone, my name is Emerson Campion and I'm a junior at J.J. Pierce High School. I have a new life in Christ and I'm recovering from pride, lust, apathy, and discontentment. I'm blessed to have grown up in the church and have had amazing parents that have taught me about who Christ is and what he's done for me. I accepted Christ at the age of six after seeing my sister do it, but I didn't fully understand what it meant to live a faithful life centered around the Lord. Throughout elementary, I struggled with lustful thoughts and lacked the self-control to take them captive. I was unaware of its sin and assumed that I had a perfect relationship with Christ since I knew all the right answers at church. Once I joined a small group in sixth grade, I became aware of the impure thoughts that filled my mind. After talking with my leaders and parents, I was faithfully shown what it looked like to guard my heart and flee from these thoughts through confession, turning to Christ, and holding fast to the truth of 1 Corinthians 10.13 that says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. At the start of middle school, I began to struggle with pride and perfection as I started setting extreme measures for myself in every area of life. If I met these standards, I saw myself as better than everyone else, but if I didn't, then I viewed myself as a failure. In seventh grade, my Nana passed away, only adding to the hunt for satisfaction in my performance. I began focus on trying to be the best at sports, having the best grades, and being the perfect Christian girl. Coming out of COVID and going into high school only fed my desire for satisfaction and joy. I compared my faith to those around me and saw myself as better than them, so I thought that I could take a break from growing my relationship with Christ. Freshman year hit me pretty hard with classes feeling overwhelming and the stress of a busy schedule, so I turned to friends and mindless tasks to keep me distracted. I stopped examining my heart and confronting the negative emotions that I knew I was facing. I got really good at being able to put on a mask and lie about how I was doing by saying all the right things in small group and telling my parents only 99% of what I was feeling. Apathy and discontentment entered my life as I continued to keep myself busy to escape the sinful and negative thoughts that I knew I had built up in my heart. I kept saying that I knew God was the only source of my joy, but I obviously wasn't living it. The apathy led me to fall back into my old habits of lust. I knew how to flee and fight it, but I was choosing not to. I was fully aware of my sin, but I didn't hate it. I kept clinging to anything that I thought would bring me joy, but these temporary highs would only leave me longing for more. As sophomore year started, I grew anxious as I was injured for months and classes were harder than I was expecting. I continued to dismiss any feelings of anxiety, stress, or fear and bottled them up as I turned to fun circumstances, lustful thoughts, and homework to keep me distracted from what I was feeling. Eventually, by the grace of God, I felt convicted of my sin and knew I needed to confess it. Sadly, I let the fear get in the way of telling my parents as I waited for the perfect time to confess. Thankfully, one day my mom randomly asked me how I was doing with my thoughts and I broke down and told her everything. I decided to go to Region for Students here at Watermark and I can confidently say that it was one of the best decisions that I've made. I learned what it looked like to bring my sin to the surface and let others in. Through inventory, I found that the root of my sin was my pride. Thinking that I was too good for God's grace is what led me to grow numb to his mercy. 
As I walked through the steps of healing and finding freedom from my sin, my desire to turn to him in my brokenness allowed me to flee the temptation and find rest and peace. Matthew 11:28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a joy it is to have a loving God who sympathizes with us and meets us where we are. You do not have to work to be perfect in order to find peace in him. Throughout the summer, I continued to learn that my joy was not found in fun events as many of my summer plans got canceled. Starting my junior year, my sister left for college, which left me unexpectedly feeling lonely and bored at home. I started filling my time focusing on solely school and striving to be perfect in every class. However, through godly friends, small group leaders, and parents, I've been reminded that my worth is not tied to my performance and that grades have no eternal value. Through prayer and devoting time daily to remind myself of the gospel, I've been able to battle my pride through what Christ did for me on the cross. It's still a daily challenge to choose to guard my heart and feed my soul with godly things by setting my mind on things above. If you can relate to any part of my story, I wanna remind you of these things. Don't minimize or excuse your sin. Instead, bring it directly to Jesus who has already suffered the punishment that we deserved. There's nothing in this entire world that can bring you joy apart from the Lord. No test grade or fun experience can provide the eternal joy that comes from devoting and trusting in the Lord daily. James 1, 2 says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I challenge you today to bring your sins into the light and to cling to the joy that Christ has given us. Let your own unrighteousness drive you towards Christ instead of the things of this world. Face the trials and negative emotions that come your way by laying down your own plans and desires at his feet so you may live an eternal life full of everlasting joy. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you, Emerson. That's encouraging. It's such a great reminder. I want to remind you dads, uh, if you're interested, this Thursday we're starting Dad You on Thursday mornings at 6.30. We're going to do a six-week study. You're going to be encouraged and equipped. Um, we'd love to, to see you there. But my prayer is, as you go into this new year, that we're just overflowing with God's, God's amazing grace that he's showered on us. So we're encouraged as we hear stories like Emerson's. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for Psalm 71. That's a reminder of your faithfulness through all generations. Whether we're young or whether we're old, Lord, you are the one that we can turn to, that we can rely on. And God, I pray that as we go into this new year, that we truly would delight in you and abide in your word, that um, your grace would overflow as we think about who you are and what you've done, that it would um, overflow in what we talk about. And God, we pray that we would build faith in the younger generation, that we would see it as um, our amazing privilege and responsibility to teach young people what it looks like to be faithful followers of you. We can only do this in the name of Jesus, and it's in his name we ask this. Amen.